Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, and welcome to the Syrupcast number 89. I'm your host, Igor Bonifacic. Today, I have a star-started cast uh, helping me with the podcast. First, and as always, my good friend, Patrick Orbrook. What's up, Igor? Not too much. Patrick, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good to hear. Returning from last week's episode, Zach. I was apparently allowed to come back. I, I did okay, I think. Yes. For the purposes of today's podcast, uh, Zach is here because he worked with how would you call him? Anyway, it doesn't matter. He worked for Crackberry. Um, years ago, years ago. Yeah. Years ago. And please give a warm welcome to the returning, triumphant return, one might say, of Douglas Soltis. Who are you and what have you done with my podcast? Um, yeah, uh, no comment. Uh, so we have a lot to talk to t- today about. Um, so we'll just jump right into it. Uh, so first on the docket, BlackBerry to end internal development of smartphone hardware. Uh, This was announced during the company's Q2 2017 fiscal earnings report, in which the company said it lost uh, $372 million, uh, or had a $372 million net loss on $334 million in quarterly revenue. Uh, That said, the company still has about $2.5 billion in the bank. Um, So... Sorry, someone's wow. walking upstairs. Just yeah, <laughs> sorry, someone's walking upstairs. Gosh. They, they just heard those numbers, and they just needed to storm out of the yeah. room. <laughs> yes. So I guess let's just start. What is everyone's take on the news this week, uh, starting with you, Zach? It's, it's sad to a degree, you know, mm-hmm. and, and going back a number of years, so even before working with Crackberry, I kind of worked on my own uh, site and worked with Douglas for, at times, um, when he was at Blackberry, and it's just... When you hear this news come down the line and you, you reminisce at the same time when, you know, the playbook launched or even, you know, BlackBerry 7 devices launched and, and, and all that. So it just, it, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to say, Zach, I always loved you at Barry Review. <laughs> Barry Review was one Barry, of my favorite Barry sites. Fix, Barry mm-hmm. Fix. Oh, Barry Di- Fix? Yeah. Really? Get Not it. Barry Review? Uh, I, I hated no, Barry was, Fix. I love Barry Review. <laughs> uh, For those who don't know, uh, Douglas, he run his own site called BlackBerry Cool. Um well, he helped with the site, I should say, um, and did a great yeah. job there. But then subsequently went on to BlackBerry. And then, and then, yeah, like all those sites, they died. They died, yeah. yes. Yeah. It's weird because, so I guess the big thing, and Zach probably agrees, like looking back, uh, even even with uh, like Boy Genius with uh, BGR, the Boy mm-hmm. Genius Report, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's such a situation where you're not even prompted to evaluate what's going on with the company today or the go mm-hmm. forward you're just you go back through the long history and yep. the weird thing is is like with with a lot of this stuff so much of it is is history now and ancient history yeah uh, not only because tech moves so fast that five years is a complete ice age mm-hmm. but um in the case of blackberry as the as the platform died so did the ecosystem around it covering it so there's all these all these websites dedicated to what at that time was the forefront of cool futuristic mobile stuff yeah. aren't even on the internet anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we were looking around the other day for 
old old reviews of things and like going to internet archive to to find them because the sites aren't up so um i don't know that's that's one point of perspective on that that history yeah so i mean i think we can all agree that this in some sense has been long coming um you know this is something that john chen even though you know when he's been asked about it in the past he's been very optimistic saying that he's very close to getting the hardware division uh, has prop. he been has he been well, optimistic or like a little Trumpian where he's like, uh, maybe I will or maybe I'll get he, rid of everything. Who he knows? He keeps delaying it, right? Like yeah. He, he, he says he's going to make a decision at some point and I guess he sort of finally did. Yeah. It was it was, it was probably his plan did. the whole time. Sort of finally right? did, right? Like, yeah. He just kind of put that shield up, the smoke and mirrors up to to all the community because there's a lot of diehard BlackBerry fans and there still is, right? He, mm-hmm. I'm sure um, you know all about that from our, our comments. Section, yeah, right? you know, our com- they're very engaged i would say engaged that's a good yeah. word are they blackberry the company fans or are they fans of a certain device or an era because at this point yeah. yeah it's hard to see that they are i, I would know, say fans. they're rim fans yeah not you know not even blackberry fan, rim fans so before blackberry changed their name you know a lot of them we put up an instagram post about um history of blackberry devices and, and i specifically picked Old devices, not BlackBerry 10 stuff, because if you're a BlackBerry fan, if you've been, you know, following or using the devices, those are the devices you remember, and those are the ones that kind of bring you back to that time. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, and also like you have to remember when I went to go work at BlackBerry at RIM because we prefer our research in motion. Yeah. In, yeah. in late 2008, early 2009, the coolest tech company to work for in all of Canada mm-hmm. was RIM. And yeah. one of the coolest to work for in the world. It was yeah. it was really people couldn't believe that you could do these things on your phone or that there was this Canadian company that was making this thing, you know, even you you mentioned shout outs Crackberry, Crackberry Kevin, uh Blaze and the crew. Mm-hmm. Uh the Crackberry term wasn't like a funny thing. People loved that yeah. in their palm instant communication. That was a that was a really big deal. Um so it's easy to be nostalgic for you know, whatever was happening when you were on the come up, but also at that time, like there was no other device like it, right? Yeah. No other device like it and no other company like it in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, the pertinent question to ask is what went wrong? And I think everyone has a different take on it. So how about we go? How long of a podcast is this? (laughs) Storm. Storm. (laughs) Okay. Well, so we'll start with you, Zach. What, what, (laughs) as best as you can be, be concise. What, what, like, what, in your opinion, was the inflection point, the fulcrum point at which this company lost its way? It was, it was definitely, well, I wouldn't say storm was before the storm. It was, you know, when Apple started launching their devices and AT&T had uh, exclusivity on it. And then Verizon said, BlackBerry, make us a phone, you Mm -hmm. know, and they, BlackBerry let too many companies, too many manufacturers or cellular providers dictate what they did. And what they made. So Verizon's like, we needed a phone to compete with the iPhone, make us a device. Mm-hmm. And then there comes a storm. And if anybody remembers a storm, it was a storm of like crud and just disgust. It, I, it, it had it had like a hundred percent return rate. Oh yeah, yeah. it was ridiculous. So, but so the big thing there is that the iPhone was the inflection point for the entire mm-hmm. tech industry. For yeah. sure. So it wasn't just BlackBerry. Lots of companies got caught up in the wake. Like Nokia isn't around anymore. Um, there are, you know, Motorola is kind of around, but not really like it, it, it changed the game in a lot of different ways. Um, but your point, rim had mm-hmm. 
as their highest level strategic imperative cooperation with the carriers. The carriers were RIM's customer, not yeah. the end users. They well, sold into enterprise into carriers. So when a company like Verizon comes along and says, we need a device, you have one year, here's a sack of gold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, RIM is just satisfying the customer demand. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, I don't know, we saw the results, but it's very difficult to radically change your, everything about your hardware and software in a year. For sure. Yeah. And well, it, yeah. Not only that, like their, their company focus and their company um, culture was just to almost repackage stuff. Like if you look at the Bold and all those devices that came after it, they were using the same processor. They were using the same memory. They were using the same screen year after year after year and mm-hmm. packaging it as a new device, right? And it's the Storm then came oh. with those devices. And it, sorry? The Storm, like I remember using that resistive touch screen and that was... Well, the Storm mm-hmm. 1 had a physical button under the screen, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that, I think it won Technology of the Year or something like that, Um but then they went to a piezoelectronics where there's the four actuators on each side of the screen, which was a little bit better because the return rate was so high in the first one. Well, it allowed for multi-touch for one yeah. instead yeah. of being a giant. The, the first one didn't even have multi-touch. No, because no. it was wow. the whole thing was one physical button, that. so uh, you couldn't do like four. Now, but you have to remember this is back in the day where with each iterative device they were adding things because like you know the original, the original iPhones and stuff like. They didn't have copy and paste. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, doing uh, not like, even an app store. Like like now where you can do like three finger gestures on trackpads and things that that was evolving as the products were coming up. But I think the with the storm the biggest thing was uh, BlackBerry changed to a reactive company, mm-hmm. um, and from that device on everything was in reaction to what the rest of the industry was doing. Whereas prior to that they were leading the conversation. Yep. So Douglas, my question to you is. Why was the company not able to correct course? Like, is they? I think they've had okay. ample so efforts. I've, there's a lot like, to unpack there. Yeah, I've been I've been writing about BlackBerry since 2004, mm-hmm. um, and even in I would say 2005, I was arguing for them back back when there was like Apple was partnering with Moto to do razors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that they should that BlackBerry needed to split up into consumer brand. I actually thought that Apple would have been the the, a great consumer partner for them because what we saw was you had all these enterprise devices going to business people on Wall Street and whatever, mm-hmm. and then um, as they would get a new device, they said the old device still worked, so they'd hand them down to their kids. So you had these this younger generation of people where their first smartphone was a BlackBerry and it was a hand-me-down BlackBerry, mm-hmm. which led them to release things like the Pearl as consumer devices. But RIM was never a consumer company. Nope. They were they were barely they were a tech company, yeah, but they were more an enterprise company, both in their sales approach and their software and services. And what happened was when they were the only device out there, people were happy to use kind of an enterprise focused device because there was nothing else out there to do other things. As the broad populace demanded a smartphone, the 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 market grew around them and they never changed. BlackBerry hasn't been any different. They haven't done anything differently in terms of their products, their outlook, security, whatever. Execution has varied wildly, but the, what they've been trying to do has never changed. Mm-hmm. The thing that has changed is like the the world changed around them. Everyone wants a smartphone now. And you, you go to the large-scale consumer electronics companies for that. You don't go to a smaller, enterprise-focused, sale-driven 
Like even in 2010, 2000, 2011, you still had Mike Lazarus talking about the, the data crunch that was going to happen yep. and how uh, RIM at that time was strategically aligned to succeed because they were the only device working with carriers to limit data use for their yeah, customers. I yeah. And now we have like 4K. Like you were stream. What game were you streaming and projecting onto the table yesterday? Clash of Clans. Like it's it 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 was just a total misunderstanding of where the market was going, yep. mm-hmm. and a com- huge disconnect between the conversations happening at the highest levels of these companies and the carriers globally that supported them, um, and the reality on the ground and what people wanted. Yeah. So Zach, you seen you wanted to add something, so go ahead. Well, I was just saying, it's a, you know, talk, you talk about conversations, and it's almost like the lack of, you know, Jim and Mike had two separate offices and two separate buildings, you know, and they just, they didn't communicate, and one had one idea how the business should be run, and one had another idea, um, and then they just didn't listen to anyone else. Uh, I can't comment on rumor speculation. No, okay, so this is where it gets tricky, because uh, as we said before, off the top, I worked there for three years, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to comment too much on... Uh, stuff that happened for potentially legal reasons. I signed a lot of things. Who knows? But then also just uh, out of respect. But I would, I would, I think the biggest thing was obviously when you have a company that has two CEOs and friggin' two COOs. How do you have two chief operating officers? Um, there, there's a lot of disconnect across the board in the company of where the strategy is and the execution. You have to remember, Rim as a company grew from like. 2,000 to 8,000 to like 12,000 people in the course of two and a half years. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to maintain a culture, uh, execution strategy, and, and grow when it, the company just goes womp and horizontally just gets huge. Um, so there were a lot of silos within the company. Uh, no one really knew what everyone else was doing, and no one was really aligned on a game plan to the point where even like the real, the real big slit, split, as we saw, was the idea of you know BBM is kind of like SMS 2.0 and could that save the company this radical idea again extending uh, Jim B's uh, first strategic win like you know aligning with the carriers that the, being the best partner for the carriers is what was going to sell devices mm-hmm. um, yeah so I would say that I don't think the CEOs really CEOs were hearing things from other CEOs at carriers but the reality on the ground, when you have like an eighteen-year-old kid selling phones in at their local carrier, they weren't moving Blackberries. No, uh, they were moving other devices. But that's you know that's micro and macro. Right. So, you know, I think whether it was Jim B and Lazardius, whether it was Heinz, the ketchup man. <laughs> Or now John Chen. Well, he just drove everything. He just spent money but like a the ketchup a man. Yeah. The ketchup man. Yeah. Um, who did he have as creative director? That was just stupid. Uh, Alicia, Alicia Keys. But, Alicia but that's Keys. that's all total. Be- so that's all. All of that stuff that he carried the load for was stuff that was already in motion, already yeah. being executed. Like there's a reason why when Jim and Mike stepped down, that guy stepped in. Mm-hmm. It was Take to continue. No, no, it was to continue on with the plan because mm-hmm. basically. Mike was like, "Well, we need to. St- I need to step back. I can't be the face of this anymore. But we can turn this around." And Jim, I think, was like, "I'm completely out of here. I'm going to dump all these shares. I'm done." He was gone. Um, yeah. Um, Man wanted just wanted a hockey team. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I remember that. Yeah. But at that time, expecting that company to turn around and come back and 
combat. You have to really to make it a, a device takes three years to make a phone from beginning to end. The inertia that that company had and what they were trying to do, the talent that they were losing, like there was no, it, the, it was already over. Even now we're like, oh, they're finally done making, like this has been coming since that that moment. Yep. The moment that that phone was held up and BlackBerry, instead of responding, just reacted. They also started outsourcing with the Leap, right? The Leap was, yeah, Foxconn manufacturer. first one and yeah. designed device. They've been killing, we've been, we reported on layoffs. They've been killing yeah. hardware team focus. You know, we, uh, Igor just published a story recently about uh, what was going on with the Avengers stuff. And the interesting thing about that is, like, there's a whole other, you know, like, the bottom of the iceberg to that story. Mm-hmm. But so many of those devices and things and plans were killed because BB-10 died. And BlackBerry's capacity to compete as an Android OEM, like we, there are how many Android manufacturers out there fighting for the smallest slice of the pie while Samsung gobbles it up? Tons, tons, like countless yeah. manufacturers, and, especially in mid-range yeah. devices. There's just so many. And BlackBerry so much decided to enter that market in 2014, 2015. It's too late. Yeah. Like, so, so if we were to put it at one point. And well, maybe two. It'd be the point at which we saw this start kind of go down would be the storm era. Um, and I, th- I personally, I think the reason being is company culture. So they were lacking of seeing what was coming. They were, they just had the inability to to understand that they were no longer number one. And they kept having the eyes and the blinders on. You know, think of a horse. You know, it, it has those blinders on, so it just keeps walking forward and forward. But it just cannot see what's going around it, right? So, and that would be. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there's that famous anecdote from that book. I can't remember the name, but it's written by a really good Globe reporter, um, which is that... Losing the signal. Losing the signal, yes. Thank you, Douglas. Where apparently when, you know, the iPhone was shown off for the first time by Steve Jobs, they were in a board meeting at BlackBerry, and they didn't think it was real, right? Like they thought Jobs had faked the whole demo, right? Uh, And it was only when the iPhone actually came out, they were like, whoa. Right. Yeah, but he, but so in fairness though, the whole industry, industry thought that way about the iPhone. Yeah, and even you know, even saying, "Oh, this is a great phone, but it's only on one carrier." It's never like it's it's very hard to predict your own demise. Hindsight is twenty twenty. But yeah. I would say that in you know, you're talking about how how slow they were and how they had the blinders on at, at the CEO level for the longest time up to John Chen. There's always been a narrative of the media and the market doesn't understand what we're actually doing. We have the right plan. We're smart. We know what we're going to do. And all through that period, mm-hmm. as their market share was dropping, as the share price was dropping, as things were pushed back and more delays, it was always like, you don't get it. We're going to leapfrog the competition. Like, we're, we're, see where the puck is going and all these things. Um, and it did speak to a hubris of a, a, like a small company that from, you know, 2002 to 2000. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 2007 or 8 was on top of just the world. On top yeah. of the world. Yeah. So let's just, you know, take it away from 
the mid-aughts to more current times. Um, what do you think, like, of the job Ch- John Chen has done? Like, is, what is his legacy going to be with this company? Like, where do you see this company going in the next two, three years? Uh, I'll start with you, Pat. I mean, uh, I think they've already sort of shown what they're going to do, right? Like, so they're licensing out the BlackBerry name to a certain extent. I think we're going to see more of that. It might be a while. Um, and like we just went to an event for the the Alcatel One Touch S, no, four, Idol Four, four, yeah. four yeah. right? Which is yeah. the the DTEC fifty. That, yep. That's yep. what it is. Um, I think we're going to see more of that. We're going to see them focus on their enterprise software, which, to my understanding, is still a profitable enterprise for the company. We're yep. going to see more of that because um, they bought the they bought all the market. They bought all the things. So that that's part of why it's working for them. Um, and like when I was at Mobile World Congress, I went to uh, like a roundtable discussion with a bunch of executives at BlackBerry, and that that's all they talked about was enterprise, enterprise, enterprise. So I think that's where the company's going because that's where things are working for them and where they're able to make money and where they sort of have a hold on the market. Well, just look at their website, right? Like if you go to BlackBerry.com, the first image on their carousel is blackberry is a software company oh totally yeah that's exactly that's what it says it's you know it says right there so i think that the writing's on the wall as they say mm-hmm. douglas i think evaluating chen's tenure is entirely defined uh or dependent upon how you define his objectives mm-hmm. um because obviously his objectives for the company are very different than the original co-ceos or thorsten Hines tenure uh, I think overall, if BlackBerry is still around in five years and six growing and has something in the market, mm-hmm. it will at the very least be considered, his tenure will be considered a success because there was a, a period in the company, like that company being sold for parts mm-hmm. was very close to being happening mm-hmm. multiple yep. times. Like there, it could have been at the level of another Nortel. So just that company continuing to exist and... Honestly, you're talking about it, you know, they're an enterprise focus now and a software company. It's kind of back to what they've always been doing, but they're not uh, messing about with anything else. And they'll they'll own that corner that they've always culturally understood and whatever. I think the, the bigger question is whether or not BlackBerry is continues to be considered a Canadian company. Because you've seen Chen make comments about uh, how disappointed he was and the lack of support from oh, the Canadian yeah. market, which I think speaks to... Just how terrible every single CEO at that company has been in communications uh, and just the complete tone deafness for like, you know, Canada wants nothing more than to celebrate a Canadian success. Mm-hmm. That company has in no way delivered on product. Well, and how many times has that company promised something to their consumers, their Canadian consumers, and just reneged on that? We can, yeah. And I could give examples, and I'm going to do that after the podcast, and Zach and I will talk about that. But just sure. how about to the, just the larger fact that uh, Chen has made great strides to remove most of the leadership from Canada, mm-hmm. uh, as well as significantly reduce the employee count in the head Canada. Count, yeah. Is, you know, if the only C level executive is like their, uh, I think it's like their CFO who's going to retire at some point, and everyone else is based in the Valley or in New York. Is BlackBerry still a Canadian company? Yeah. If, if they've outsourced their manufacturing uh, to international partners, if they've they're licensing BBM as well, um, they bought uh, an American company for most of their enterprise market share. Uh, I think yeah, that only that the idea... car project is Canadian at this point, right? QNX. 
uh, Dan Dodge now works at Apple, which I think yeah. is like the final statement on the viability of that. Yeah. Um, but many companies have set up offices in Ottawa directly across from the Kinex office, and they're poaching. So, like, mm-hmm. I think those are bigger questions. Whether or not Canada BlackBerry remains seen as a Canadian company, um, and anything other than the name, I think is the big thing. But yeah, so evaluating Chen's tenure, I think he's he's been much more of a real realist than the last three CEOs. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think the BlackBerry that he's building is the one that the country wants, but maybe it's the only BlackBerry that that company can be at this point. All right. On that really eloquent note, um, we're going to shift gears because we can honestly spend hours talking about BlackBerry. Um, So they obviously weren't the only ones to kind of go through an inflection point. Uh, Rogers and Shaw had to go through one just recently when they announced that Show Me is shutting down. Uh, Patrick, do you want to tell us about the b- yeah, basics? Yeah, totally. Um, so, show me. Uh, I'm sure most people listening know what it is, but it's a streaming platform that was designed to compete with Crave TV, which is Bell's streaming platform, as well as Netflix. Launched back in 2014 in beta. It had a really lengthy beta. Um, and then in 2015, it, it went open to all Rogers and Shaw customers, as well as a few other um, telecom partners. And then the CRTC forced them to open it up to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally, Xiaomi has been an average platform in terms of content and, and what you can consume on it. There's some decent stuff. Like uh, if you want to watch the Americans legally in Canada, that's one of the only places that you can do that. Uh, there's like Zach was telling me earlier that he watches iZombie on it, which is yep. a, a decent like sort of teen show. Uh, and that's one of the only places that you can you can buy it. <laughs> I, I shots fired. That, that part Jesus. that was like it was it was good up until then. It's like I I I will like I watch the show too. So okay. there you go. I also watch what's that show on Netflix that's we were talking about it yesterday. Anyways, we can figure it out later. Yeah. I don't know. Um. But but yeah. So they've they've announced that Show Me is dead. Show Me is no more. Um. And I guess if you think about it, this was a long time coming. Um. And they're also making like a massive write down too. I can't remember the specific 100 numbers. to 140 million, yeah. which yep. is which is crazy. Uh, and I know that has a lot to do with the, the chorus and Shaw stuff um that we probably don't have a time to unpack, but um I mean to me I there's there's very few options for Canadians that don't have cable. Um if you want to just use apps to consume content, cord cutters if you want to use that word. Um and one less option to me is a bad thing all around. Right. So you wrote an opinion piece on this um and I guess I should turn it to um, everyone else's thoughts first, and then I can say my piece on it. Uh, Douglas, what was your take on this? I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, uh, the only reason they were doing this is because uh, they were worried about. You see, you mentioned it as a crepe competitor, but it was really just a Netflix competitor. It's a. It was a. It was a churn competitor mm-hmm. to keep people on their packages mm-hmm. by leveraging their. Uh, you know, have this vertically integrated product to leverage their strength in uh, other media formats to license content to keep people in their bundles either by maybe they, they're doing this outright or they're it's a value add. Like, so you keep your cable bundle, but then you get some show me stuff for streaming other things. Um, as we've seen, like the CRTC make moves, I think most consumers want, r- regardless of how it affects the industry, the ability to just pay for the things that they want rather than all this other stuff. Uh, I don't think it was a product that Rogers cared about 
as a product. I, I'm sure the people on the Show Me team really wanted it to be the best streaming experience possible. But from Roger's perspective, this was they weren't trying to build an yep. amazing streaming product that everyone loved. They were it was a strategic play, and that's why they dropped it like a hot stone when it wasn't fulfilling its objectives. Yeah, it initially was a way for them to funnel customers right to, yeah, to, to more of their services and more of their content and then that had to change and i think that's to me I, I think looking back that was the sign that maybe the end was coming because they were no longer able to use it for its original intended purpose right like so this you know so i read your opinion piece and the kind of the issue i took with it was that this is never really a tool for cord cutting at least as it was initially uh, conceived right like this was a you the you had to get this with your cable subscription but it, it was but oh, it, but it became one. You could right. use it later. But mm-hmm. because of the CRTC intervening, right? Yes. So um, the other, like, I don't think this is a necessarily bad for cord cutters because, well, if Crave TV were to shut down, I think that would actually be great for cord cutters because, um, you know, as we saw in Star Trek uh, and as we saw with HBO, um, with Star Trek specifically, Netflix was going to have the rights to Star Trek in every single region other than the U.S., and mm-hmm. that makes sense because CBS owns the rights there, right? And it's something created by CBS and Paramount. Um, but in Canada specifically, uh, Netflix got outbid by Bell, which you know wanted to mm-hmm. put it on Crave, wanted to put it on Space. And, I mean, sh- I guess it's great that a Canadian company owns the rights, but if you're, from the perspective of a cord cutter... I think you just want to have one service, right? Like this is the point of Netflix is you want to spend less, right? You, and get more, right? You, you can't just use Netflix though if you don't have cable. But sure, but like you have this company and I don't like in the case of Bell, like they're just, you know, they want you to subscribe to their service. And so they're kind of pulling you away from that dream of spending less, right? Like you have to, if you just want to watch Star Trek, well, I'm really sorry. You're going to have to pay an extra like seven yeah. bucks a month just to watch the new series, right? The, the choice isn't between the platforms of the products you want or the or the shows. It's between Bell or Rogers, right? Yes. Because yeah. they're, you know, you. I think the the Star Trek one's a good example. Although there is still like I was just watching Deep Space Nine last night, so I don't know when that stuff. 2017. Okay, yeah. uh, I got to burn through those eight yeah, series. Yeah, we but, got it. Me too. But um, I think the bigger one is 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 Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Just the idea that Bell can leverage, you know, past agreements it's made and it, the specific thing to make. And like, if Canadians want to watch Game of Thrones mm-hmm. in a legal way, they have two options. It's basically through some sort of Bell property, or it's uh, waiting till the season's done and paying. Basically, Until DVD prices done. Yeah, or yeah, 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 on on iTunes, right? It yeah. may never come to Crave too. Like they've never said that it, it's. Oh yeah, out. totally. Yeah. yeah. So so, you know, I think the idea of throwing these open to provide more choice to consumers is the narrative that the incumbent telecoms have been pushing yeah. to satisfy their uh, own particular business case, and it isn't really until people can choose. Like the reason why the C- CRTC has been breaking up all these packages and making it basically. You only get the uh, channels that you pay for is because of this huge consumer desire to um, uh, just pay for what you want. Mm-hmm. Now, how that affects the industry, and like we, there's been lots of talks of like a bunch of channels that were completely subsidized by others just just getting out of the way. So, tons of Canadian created content uh, being destroyed. Like that's that could be a ramification, but 
Um, I think we have to be really clear about how the, these incumbents message their options and then what it actually means for consumers. The, the one thing that I, I wanted to say, I guess, is that it's... So one of the common misconceptions is that because ShowMe is gone, other platforms would be able to pick up the rights to this stuff. And that's not necessarily... That's not necessarily the case. It, it will definitely happen. Mm -hmm. But just because ShowMe no longer has the Americans, that doesn't mean that Netflix is going to pick it up. Netflix mm -hmm. might have passed on it. Odds are they probably did. Um, and Crave TV also might have passed on it well, mm -hmm. right? So Rogers could just end up sitting on a lot of this content, and they might not, in that contract, it might not let them put it on any of their other yeah. services. So Licensing just, agreements suck. It's crazy. They'll just sit there, and no one will be able to legally watch it in Canada. It, it might end up somewhere, but odds are it probably won't. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the only thing I wanted to add to this whole conversation is, in some sense, like, this felt like, to me, anyway, it was just kind of the hubris of the big three. Um, you know, uh, Doug and I um, were good acquaintances with Mike Serbinus, who, if you don't know, he is the founder of Kobo. Uh, he now has a new startup called League. Uh, but he always says, like, you know, in tech, there's a podium. And even if no one cares who the winners are, there are always winners. And you want to be ideally number one. Secondly, number two, but if you're number three, it's you're in a bad scene, right? Like no one cares about number three. Um, and especially with, you know, this scene, it, I didn't know how this could have played out any way differently, right? Like Netflix was the dominant when it came to Canada. Like it picked up most of the market share uh, and is still the dominant player in the space. And it's kind of like the BlackBerry thing. They came to it too late. Right. Um, well, there's there's a lot of so the yeah. hubris is one thing, but it's, all, it's I think it's more, and we talked about this on the CanCon podcast, which you can also find on Mobile Syrup uh, today when we were discussing this. Is your you know I think your Serbinus point is right on the money, mm -hmm. and when Serbinus is talking about winners, he's talking about global winners. Yeah. And this was a product that was never meant to be globally competitive. It was only supposed to be for Canada. It was only supposed to be for Rogers customers. Like the the limited vision of this led. To, to vulnerabilities that were either exploited or um, played out based upon it. Uh, if you know, I think I think Bell and Rogers and uh, Shaw could have all teamed up to create to leverage their Canadian content to leverage Canadian content production. You're talking about Star Trek. Star Trek's being shot in Toronto. American Gods yeah. is being shot in Toronto. All these Canadian uh, content producers, writers, directors, actors are here because mm -hmm. it's cheaper. They could have teamed up to do some sort of crazy globally competitive play that maybe no one would have realized was just like, oh, hey, they're leveraging all their Canadian resources. They're just like, oh, I like that actor. I like this director. I like these shows and, and done something. But they weren't interested in doing that. They were just trying to keep consumers on their bundled plans to less less in churn. So mm -hmm. do I feel bad about that strategy not playing out? No, because I, as a consumer, I don't feel bad because I just want to watch what I want to watch when I want it. And it's frustrating when I know um, the platforms that I choose because of their quality or, or just because I choose them aren't getting it because of giant telecoms who also own sports teams, who also own media distribution in this country. Like, I don't feel bad about that. Yeah. Uh, so that on that note, uh, let's send it out to shout-outs. Patrick? I'd like to send, well, not, not really a shout-out to anyone specific, but just 
I, so have a PlayStation VR. My shout out is to the PlayStation VR. Oh my god! I'm going to be spending all weekend playing around with it, um, and I will have a review on Mobile Surf. How are you week. going to handle the massive vomiting that this is going to mm. induce? Uh, I I can't say whether I'm vomiting or not yet because I'm under embargo. But we'll we'll see. I'm. It's going to be maybe involved. Yeah. Well, I I've used it before, right? I've used it at preview events, and it it did make me feel somewhat ill. I love so. that your bi- biological functions are under embargo. They are. Tune in to find out. Can't yeah. say anything. Um, but. It's going to be a pretty extensive review, and it'll be on uh, the mobile syrups on sometime next week, early next week. Uh, Zach, um, I don't really have one this week other than Ronan at, Ronan like, at Berry review. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I just uh, Disney is a magical place, and uh, they're redoing Lion King, which is pretty cool. So. It's a magical. <laughs> I was just there, so I have nothing else to say. But that's yeah. the best one we've ever had. Yeah, John Favreau's directing that. I know, and he did uh, Jungle Book, and I think it's going to be a great film. And you know, there's always a good place for laughter, and I think we just had that to cap off the podcast. <laughs> Douglas, shoutouts Ronan, shoutouts Blaze, shoutouts Jonathan Geller. Shoutouts, uh, Simon Sage, Steve St. Pierre, oh, yeah, Kyle McInnes. Shoutouts, shoutouts, all the redacted BlackBerry employees that I'm not going to name, uh, who are either on to better jobs or are listening to this hating me right now. Uh, shout out the BlackBerry 7100R because that was the first BlackBerry ever. Used. An 8830 World Edition was mine. I, I had the non-world edition of that phone. That was, that was bunk. the first one I used. That was a bunk uh, device. Mine didn't have a camera, which was like, yeah. at the time it didn't really matter because it's like 0.3 megapixels, so whatever. No, because it was an enterprise device and they didn't want you to go into place with a camera. I know. The like, BlackBerry, sh- the uh, Pearl launched without a friggin' headphone jack. Or uh, the 7130. Because they didn't think that consumers would want to listen to music using their headphones it's on the, the device. future, what are you talking about? Yeah, so the many, future is now. So many, find me in a bar tonight and i will tell you a bunch of blackberry stories that cannot be on a podcast that was to the wow. audience not you guys <laughs> on that note uh my shout out goes to matt who helped uh me film our upcoming moto z review uh, it was really great working with him unfortunately sweet jesus my shout out uh, to the monster upstairs yeah <laughs> monster upstairs. <laughs> i think they wait till we record this to move yeah. furniture around um yeah thank you for listening and uh, we'll catch you next week peace out Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 